Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. Is that all the oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Far beyond this world, far beyond this night, far beyond the universe, and far beyond this life. Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris here with you for a special episode as we are live on Twitch for the first time doing our best of 2021, an episode that I've been looking forward to since we did our best of 2020 last year around this time. Chris, how are you? Good. This is, um, this is really exciting. Um, thanks for, uh, to everyone who is joining us. Um, and, uh, special thanks to Mike for helping, uh, moderate the situation here for us but uh yeah i've been looking forward to this episode as well and i'm gonna try to forget that we're on twitch and just kind of pretend like we're doing our normal shtick so very good i like it um just to give a little uh clarity about the rules of this i think we each have a list of our top 50 albums which we will post um on all the various social media outlets our reddit page our facebook page etc uh, on Monday, um, when the podcast release of the episode drops, uh, I don't think we're going to talk about all 50 of the albums. I think we'll probably focus on the top 25. Um, and I'm sure there will be some overlap between my list and yours. And then this year, we decided to add a couple of things as well, doing um, some other categories like song of the year, uh, best EP, uh, best non-album single. I, I won't divulge all of the, the categories, but I have a list of them and we'll kind of go through them, I think, at the end. Um, as there may be some overlap there with our lists as well. If that sounds good with you, I guess we can get right into it. All right, very good. So um, we agreed, uh, as we did last year, that I would uh, do my list first, and then um, and then uh, Justin will chime in uh, with his thoughts on anything he feels like mentioning. And then um, uh, that way, if there's any repeats on his list, he won't have to go into too much detail, so we're not getting too repetitive. But... Um, so yeah, um, I just want to um, make a, a, a make a point to mention that I just the other day um, realized that I forgot all about uh, Metalite's uh, Virtual World album. I bought it in March, and I must have never placed it in my new albums playlist. So I didn't. I listened to it twice this week, and I liked it a lot. And I liked it so much that it landed at number twenty six. So it's just gonna <laughs> it's just gonna miss the discussion today. It probably would have posted higher um, had I had a chance to listen to it more than twice. But I liked it a lot. Um, I especially uh, thought the the song um, "Beyond the Horizon" was uh, really strong. So good stuff. But uh, my actual number twenty five to start things off is going to be Secret Sphere's Lifeblood album. Um, this was, I believe, um, Roberto Messina's first album back with Secret Sphere after, is that right? Or has he done two since? No, this, this was his first one back. Um, obviously, uh, Michelle Lupi had been with them for, for quite a while. And I think that at least 
for my ears, they kind of went in a different direction a little bit when, when he took over the mic um, and, and doing lead vocals. This was more of a return to form. Um, and, and I'll just chime in. I have this at number 34. So I think we're pretty close on this one in terms of like the placement. This was really good to hear because it, to me, it reminded me of the old Secret Sphere, which I fell in love with, you know, 20 years ago. Um, very, very good. Uh, surprisingly strong. I was very surprised by how good uh, Ramon's vocals are, even to this day, you know, having not done very much. He did a really good job with this album. Yeah, I um, I enjoyed this a lot. Not to say that I did not uh, enjoy the, the songs that they did with Loopy, but... Um, I thought that, yeah, this was just akin, uh, uh, you know, a reminder going, you know, kind of back to the older albums that he was on. And um, so, yeah, I thought that Secret Sphere is uh, is still still kicking. Um, and I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that um, they, they are still just putting out really good material. And this this definitely made my uh, made my my list. Um it came out in uh, March, I believe. Uh, that's when, yeah, came out in March, and I kind of forgot about it for a while. And then I was kind of, you know, trying to tune up my uh, tune up my list, and and I kind of was reminded of how, how good it was. So um, at number twenty four, stay, stay, staying in the uh, the power metal realm, I had uh, Orton Ogan's final Vase album, which I thought this was. My, I mean, Gunman was a fantastic album too. That was their previous album, but I thought this was another really strong uh, album for Orton Ogan. I, I enjoyed it um, a lot. And again, this was another album that came out. I believe it came out the same day as the Secret Sphere album. Um, and it was another one I kind of forgot about because it came out back in March. And then going back and listening to it again, I was impressed at, at how well it, it held up. So. Um, yeah, 24, I got Orton Ogan's Final Days. So I have, obviously, my top 50 list. And, and every year, and I've been doing this for a long time, but in February, I send you a playlist with kind of like all the stuff that just missed the cut. I have the Orton Ogan album on that like secondary list. It's probably in the top 60 or 65, if you will, but it doesn't make my top 50. I, I thought Gunman was so strong. And I thought that um, as good as the album was, and I guess it was a little bit... Um, unbalanced for me, I guess is the way I would describe it. There were some songs on here, which I thought were really good others, which um, were, were not as strong, but I thought Gunn was a better effort. And I still think to the end is their, their magnum opus, if you will. Um, so just didn't quite make it a good album, not, not their best, but certainly um, good enough. And I can understand why you as our resident power metal fan would, would put this high up on the list. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, Moving on to number 23, I had um, Annette Olsen's uh, solo album, Strong, which um, she uh, worked on with the great Magnus Carlsen. And I thought that, um, you know, he kind of was the magic touch because Annette's previous albums really weren't metal albums. Um, They were almost like alt rock or pop rock. Um, And I thought this was a really great first like metal album for Annette and I just have always had a soft spot for her vocals ever since she was in Nightwish. And I thought this was a, a really strong album. No pun intended. I, I, I agree with you. This was a surprise. Um, I am no, I, I unabashedly a, a fan of her vocals in Nightwish. And I know a lot of people would disagree with me. I still think that their best album was with her on vocals with Imaginarium. Um, this, this was number 45 on my list. I, it wasn't, 
quite as high as you, but it, it was definitely one of my favorite releases uh, and, it, and it deserved a spot on the list just because of how surprised I was at how, um, how much I enjoyed it. it. It took the best elements of Magnus Carlson's writing and then just added her vocals, which I think are underrated and sometimes underappreciated. So uh, totally, totally with you there. I'm, I'm glad it was on your list as well. Excellent. Um, yeah, good stuff. Um, next I had, uh, what is this put us uh, 22? Um, I had Brainstorm's Wall of Skulls. This was my favorite Brainstorm album in a while. Um, I thought this was really good. Another one that um, I, I I picked it up in in September when it came out, and I don't know that I ever really gave it a good listen until towards the end of the year, and I was really kind of surprised at how much I enjoyed it as I don't find uh, – I, I I mean I've always liked Brainstorm and and um I just feel like their last handful of albums they nothing really kind of blew me away but this I thought was really good probably their best album in a while I would say it's their best album since Soul Temptation which came out in two thousand and three and and they've they've had a lot of albums since then um this was definitely a return to form and and you'll be hearing me say that uh, about a couple of bands on, on on as we get kind of deeper into this um i really enjoyed this album as well it, it didn't make my top 50 it's on that secondary list um that i had mentioned so it's just outside the top 50 but this was a real pleasant surprise for me and and, and a nice return to form absolutely um Next, I, I really should have numbered these. <laughs> number twenty-one. Why well, you gotta use Excel, my friend? Everything is nicely numbered and neat for me. Yeah, um, number twenty-one. This one was a big surprise for me. This was on your recommendation, and it ended up being an album I really liked. And it was Cambrium's Synthetic Era. Um, it, it's you know kind of kind of deathy, but also kind of has like that really awesome um, symphonic and 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 um, there's symphonic elements. There's um, uh, like electronic elements. Um, I, <laughs> I this wouldn't have stru- struck me as as something that I would uh, normally be into, I guess. But I I just enjoyed the hell out of this album, and uh, I thought um, cybernetic overload the, uh, that song was just um, a, a, just a real earworm. So yeah, this, 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 this was, was a surprise for me as well. I I have it at forty nine. It just made the top fifty. The sound effects and like the patches they use on the keyboards on this thing and like some of the sound effects were fantastic. And it was just wildly catchy. Um, I look forward to hearing more from them. This was a real nice surprise um, and somebody I had never heard of until I just kind of stumbled upon it. And I'm like, you have to hear this. So uh, apparently you liked it even more than I did. So that's, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, I definitely am a fan and I want to hear more. Yeah, uh, just yeah, that one was a real surprise for me. But um Good stuff. Um, next, uh, at number 20, I have an album that I'd be willing to bet is not on your list. It's Vomitron's uh, right, <laughs> Righteous NES album. Um, I couldn't not put this on here. This is an all-instrumental um, album of uh, NES cover songs. I believe it's the third by um, put together by Pete Rucho, who um, was or is in the band Armory, Um and this is kind of his little side gig that he does. Um, and uh, he did some phenomenal, um, the only games I was really familiar with on this one were the original Final Fantasy and, and Mega Man 2. But um, the choices he made were actually really cool with uh, Ghosts and Goblins and 
uh, Life Force and, and Silver Surfer. Um, he just chose a, a lot of really cool songs. And um, yeah, I couldn't not put this on the list. <laughs> I listened to it once. I thought it was good. I never listened to it again. It's not on my list, but knowing your taste, not surprised at all. I figured it, it, this had a home in the top 25. I'm not surprised. Yeah. I, I mean, I was such a huge fan of the, uh, the first two NES uh, cover albums that he did. So um, this was kind of a no brainer. Um, it probably would have been higher up the list if he had chosen more games that I was familiar with, like Maniac Mansion or Little Nemo, the Dream Master. But, you know, uh, still... Uh, good stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I said good stuff a lot. So, anyway, um, into the <laughs> teens we go. Um, number 19, I have uh, Jeff Scott Soto's Duets Collection, Volume 1. I I enjoyed the hell out of this album. I wasn't really expecting too much. It's just a lot of uh, just a lot of, of tunes throughout Soto's career kind of done as a duet. But um, there were some really fun versions of of you know Ingve tunes and, and um one of my favorite songs i'll be waiting which he did when he was in talisman um yeah this was just another album that kind of caught me by surprise and, and i ended up enjoying a, a lot yeah this this came out i think in october and it's funny because first there was a period of about maybe like two months where every episode we mentioned jeff scott soto in some form or another so i'm glad that he everything comes full circle with uh with this release i don't have it on my list but i i have to say um between this and the wet album that he did he it was a busy year for him and i think he had a lot of guest appearances on some other albums as well um, this was nicely done. I, I, I like the track list. I think there was some um, surprisingly uh, good songs on here. I, I couldn't believe, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't Living the Life from like the, that movie on there, from the Rockstar movie, which was kind of funny. Um, just, yes, just, it was actually. Yeah, it was. And, and he got like a who's who of, of vocalists, uh, you know, including Eric Martinson and Russell Allen and Johnny Joelli. So uh, good stuff. Um, I'm glad you liked it as much as you did. I, I, I have to go back and revisit this again. Yeah, cool. Um, I, I, I liked, um, I liked the duet that he did with Dino Jelicic, um, you know, the Ingve cover. Um, I think we had mentioned it in a previous episode, but, uh, yeah, it was cool hearing Russell Allen on here too. So, and Matt's Levin, um, as well. Um, so, you know, speaking of wet, that was next on my list at number 18. Uh, there you the go. Re- back to back Soto, huh? Yeah. Re- the retransmission album again, like just, this was, this is just, uh, him and Eric Mart- Martinson are just a, uh, I think a, a can't miss, um, duo. So, um, yeah, I, I enjoyed this quite a bit. What did you think? I, I had it in my top 50 list for a very long time and somewhere around like November, I think it got bumped. So it never actually made the list, but I had it up there for a long time and I did listen to the album quite a bit. Um, it just missed the list. And I think the reason it missed it is because there was other stuff that was either, um, a little bit of a recency bias, I think, with some of the newer releases. That was the Wet album came out really early on, and I think it was kind of a victim of, of that a little bit. Um, but I definitely enjoyed it. It was it was not my favorite Wet release. I, I did think that the other two albums were better, but it was a, a solid effort for sure. Very nice. Um, next, uh, this would be seventeen. Um, I have the uh, the new Eldritch album EOS. Um, I thought this album was fantastic. Um, just I don't know that I have really much 
to say specifically, but um, it's just everything that I think Eldritch does best. And I feel like the the you know the um, them having Oleg Smirnoff back on keyboards, I think, is really kind of brought back that old Eldritch kind of uh, kind of Eldritch sound, but like in a, in a modern sort of way. Um, I, I I enjoyed this album a lot. I have to say this was a very heavy album. Uh, I was surprised at how chunky the guitar sounded, and, and obviously Oleg's keyboards are phenomenal. I did not have it in my top fifty, but I every you know I, I made a playlist to go along with it. I will post it on Spotify um, in the very not so distant future. Um, this was the fifty first track, as you know. I end all of my my playlists with a cover song. And I put their cover of Runaway as as the 51st track and final track on the playlist. So I kind of cheated and added this in because I thought it was a really awesome cover. And I, I I like the album a lot, but I just didn't fit the 50, so I made it 51. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> I cheated. Yeah. I, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Um, I thought that cover was really uh, – I, I was surprised when I heard it. I, did, I saw the name, and I was like um, – yeah, I'm sure that's just a song called Runaway. And then it started and I was like, oh, oh, we're doing a little uh, Bon Jovi action. Really, really well done uh, cover. So definitely worth checking out. Um, so at number 16, uh, we go back to Mr. Magnus Carlson. Um, I have the Heart Healer Metal uh, uh, metal Opera. Um, I, I, I'll be honest with you, based on the lineup of vocalists, I thought this was going to be like a slam dunk top five um it didn't reach those heights that i i think expected but i still enjoyed it a lot and i mean the fact that it has adrian cohen and and nora luimo and um a number and annette olsen and and just a number of, of fantastic female uh vocalists um i i like this a lot um it's you know again kind of like if we're not getting burned out on, on Magnus Carlson yet, um, he just is such a, he, he just, he writes some mean songs and this was kind of a cool thing to kind of go the, the Avantasia route, but with all uh, women singing. Uh, And I thought, and you know, I've always been such a a huge, uh, a huge fan of, of female vocalists in in metal um, more so than males in a lot of, cases so this was i thought a lot of fun even though it was a little bit disappointing just because my expectations were so high my biggest problem with this was that my expectations were through the roof i thought the samples that they released in advance of the album were fantastic and as and as i was waiting for this album to be released i just kept thinking to myself this this has the potential to be the album of the year and it didn't make my top 50. It was on there for maybe like the first six months of the year, but it, it, it got replaced. And, and I think my issue with the album was that, again, my expectations were just so lofty that they were never going to meet those expectations. And they actually fell quite a bit short. Um, I like the album. I can't say that I love the album. Um, when it comes to the pantheon of, of Magnus Carlson discs, this was probably a little bit lower <laughs> on the totem pole than most. Um Something just didn't click and I can't even put my finger on it because obviously the songs are, you know what you're going to get with him. Um, the vocalists do a great job, but something was missing and I can't really pinpoint it. I'm not surprised you had it high on yours. Um, I would have guessed that the second I heard it, but for some reason it just fell a little flat for me. 
Okay, yeah, un- understandable. I, I oh, don't worry. I'll of... get to sleep. I'll get to sleep token later, and then you can shit on that. So we'll get there. Don't <laughs> worry. Well, I mean, I think just based on a lot of what I read, other people um, saying about about this album, um, it, it, you know, I don't think that you were alone in your thoughts. I, I think that when you when you put together a list of of, of artists like that, I mean, you can't help but have unbelievably high expectations super glad that um we had a, of a chat going because i was just reminded that i completely skipped over number 15 and this is what happens when you don't use excel uh, my number 15 <laughs> album was uh uh edu falashi's Cruz album um this one i i listened to it i think the first couple of times and uh it was just okay for me. And then the, the, the last time I listened to it, it just clicked and I ended up loving it. Um, really good stuff. It reminded me of um, Edu era Angra more so than um, why well, I'm, I'm blanking on the other band he was in. Um, Alma. Alma. Yeah. Um, but I thought just the songwriting was phenomenal. The production, everything um, just a really great album. Um, so thank you. Thank you for, for our friends in the chat uh, for reminding me of that because I completely uh, skipped over it. But yeah, that was my number 15. So My, uh, my and- biggest gripe with this album is that you have it too low. Um, this was number seven for me. And I remember the first time that I heard it. I was coming up to see you and our friend Mike and I were in the car. I put this on. He was a huge Alma fan and a huge Angra fan. We put this song, well, we put the album on and from jump street from the from that first intro track i could not believe what i was listening to i was blown away for the next hour um just as to how good this album was i thought that edu never sounded better i thought that the production for a power metal album was as good as it gets i have nothing but great things to say about this album this 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 was this is the best anger album since rebirth and base maybe the best anger album since holy lander angels cry it was that good um i loved it and um i just couldn't say enough good things about it it's it's um it's it's not number one but it's probably my number two power it is my number two power metal album of the year yeah and i think it's going to be one of those albums i think uh grows even more on me as time goes by at number 14 i have a band that i always have high expectations from and they are always met and that band is eclipse and that album was wired um you know just a uh there's just something about eclipse's music that it it just sucks you right in you you only have to listen to it once to know that it's gonna be great and um this was another really great release from from them and uh another uh another another eric martinson uh appearance here but um just a lot of really good melodic metal came out i thought this year and this was um towards the top of the list for me i agree with you and if it wasn't for another melodic metal album which i'll talk about later uh or maybe two of them really this would have probably been higher on my list and it was pretty high i have this at number 25 this was so catchy i mean every time i just found myself singing that song like what is it Saturday night over and over again you just can't get it out of your head um it's I, I don't think it's their best album I still think Bleed and Scream is their best album I would say this is their second best album though I really enjoyed it and they don't they don't really have a bad song they kind of follow the formula but they do it so well you can't like not love these guys 
Um, so it, it was in my top 25 as well. And that was one less album I have to talk about a little later. Um, I really enjoyed this. This is a band that their songs should be played at sporting events. Like I want to hear be at a hockey game. Yeah. I want to hear Saturday night. Hallelujah played like in between penalties or before the power play or something. I, <laughs> I, I think that's uh that just fits that kind of environment to me. So I couldn't um, agree more sticking to the, um, that same kind of genre. Um, I have at number 13, lucky number 13. Here's one. I kind of was pretty surprised about only because it's a guy who never did a solo album before Ronnie Atkins, his very first uh, shot at a solo album one shot being the name of the album, I thought was wonderful. Um, very introspective with what he was going through battling cancer and, and he still is. And, and he's got another solo album coming out soon. Um, so he's keeping busy, but um, a lot of the lyrics really felt like somebody trying to say like, you know, life is short and, and live your life. And, and I thought it had a really great message and the songs were catchy as hell. I don't really know how much, of the songwriting process he does for pretty maids. But um, based on this, I imagine he probably does a pretty decent amount, but um, I thought this was wonderful. This was great. And this was probably one of the last two albums that got bumped in mid December from my list. So if you want to call this 51 or 52, I'm right there with you. Um, this was such an enjoyable listen. And obviously there's a little bit of, nostalgia because of, you know, kind of some of the experiences that we had obviously mentioned in, in past episodes with Pretty Maids and with, with, um, with Ronnie in particular, just because he was such a nice guy. But with all that he's going through, um, you couldn't not smile when you listen to this disc. And I felt like that resonated through. And when you think about what he has been going through and you have this positive disc come out on top of it, I just thought it checked off all the boxes. Uh, very well said. Um, I'm looking forward to the follow-up, which I think um, is supposed to come out fairly soon. Um, so uh, I think there, uh, just uh, uh, one of the singles just dropped the other day. Um, coming in at number 12, I, this was an album that was sitting up high for a while because it came out so early in the year. It came out in late January, and it's uh, Labyrinth's Welcome to the Absurd Circus. This was so you have in Labyrinth at, like, at 12, is that fair to say? Uh, yes. I have Labyrinth at 12 as well. There you go. Um, yeah, this, this one, I'll, please, I'll, I'll let you do the honors. Yeah, well, I was going to say, so I had this, I had this sitting at three or four for months. Um, and then I went back and, and some other albums that came out later on kind of pushed it down the list. But, um, I mean, it was a hell of an album and, uh, and, uh, whatever it is about, metal bands covering that ultra Vox song dancing with tears in my eyes uh, that they add <laughs> themselves to the list with freedom call and Avantasia and probably somebody else I'm not remembering, but um, this album was phenomenal. Um, you know, Roberto Taranti just it, it, it like his voice, his voice is just timeless. And, and uh, you know, Olaf Thorson just doing his thing on, on guitars. Like, this is just a band that um, after like a weird kind of <laughs> period um, they've just like come back like on fire. Like there was a time where we thought like, uh, you know, Rob wasn't even in the band anymore and Mark Bowles was going to be their singer. And then all of a sudden huh. they're back and they're doing return to heaven denied tours. And, and now this album, which is arguably their best album since return to heaven. Denied. I, I thought this is. was awesome. I, I, 
I, I think it has to be. I mean, listen, it, it, I found it a little repetitive, uh, and it's basically one speed, and that's like your finger on the turbo button. But they did it so well that it's it's you, you couldn't not have it high up. And I also had this in my top five for a while, and, and obviously it, it fell to number twelve. But this was this is their best album in, in almost twenty five years, so they, it, it had to be up there. The talent is unbelievable, and I just thought that. Um, I, I thought they knocked it out of the park with this one. I, I did not think they had this album in them anymore. If I'm being honest with you, it blew me away. It makes me want to see them live again. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. This this material would lend itself perfectly to a live show. So, um, uh, Milton, I know you're listening. So <laughs> make it make it happen, <laughs> my man. Make it happen. So uh, my number eleven, which is my uh, lucky number. Um, this was another one that that caught me off guard that I, I ended up enjoying a lot, and that's Leverage's Above the Beyond album. Um, I, I just the the song Emperor and, and the song Starlight. Um, just those two first two songs, the album just kicks just kicks off so strong, and it just it just hangs in there all the way from from start to finish. This is a band that you got me into years ago that I've always been on my uh, my radar, but. Um, I enjoyed the hell out of this. I thought this was great. I have been listening to these guys for probably close to 20 years at this point, or at least 15 years. Um, I think it was Tides, maybe, uh, their first album, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere in that neighborhood, like 2006, something like that. I have enjoyed everything that this band has put out. And then I got to this album. And I tried, and I listened to it, and I played it on repeat. And the bottom line is, for me, there were two songs that clicked. I think it was Angelica and maybe Under His Eye, if memory serves correctly. It was two songs towards the middle of the album that I really enjoyed. And the rest of it just fell flat to me. And I tried. And I said to myself, just by knowing this knowing this band, this is something I should like. And it just did not resonate for me. And we'll talk about some of the disappointments later later in the podcast without giving too much away, this is on that list of just disappointing albums for me. I could not get into it. All right. Wow. That's uh, two very different opinions there. That's why uh, we're doing it. I'm going to keep it honest, right? I I love the band, but I I thought this album was um, probably their weakest effort. Okay. Fair enough. Um, At number 10, going into the top 10, um, Marius Danielson's Legend of Valley Doom Part 3. There it is. Um, I knew, I knew it was only a matter of time. Oh my God. What a, what a, what a cast. Uh, Ralph Sheepers, Olaf Heyer, Herbie Langens, Daniel Hyman, Alessandro Conti, Tommy Johansson, Alessio Garavello, Tim Ripper Owens, Jonas Heidgert, Matthias Blad, Elisa Martin, Melissa Bonney, <laughs> Rafael Mendez. Um, Drop the mic. I mean, the Aaron, you have to say. Yeah, Aaron Lucasen um, doing some guitar work. Bill Hudson doing some guitar work. Timo Summers. Um, this, this, Marius Danielson <laughs> does not have. I think a limit to who, how many people can come onto one of his albums. And this is um, just your quintessential kind of cheesy power metal, that symphonic power metal that I absolutely adore. And I thought that this was, uh, I thought this was really a, a very fun album. It was higher up on my list as it came out a little bit earlier in the year, back in May. And so it might've dropped a little bit, but um, when I went back and listened, I was like, damn, there's just so much going on. Um, and, and it's just, and it was just a very enjoyable ride and didn't have the Michael Kiss, Daniel Hyman duet of, you know, previous album glory, but, uh, it was still 
pretty awesome. Um, just uh, really good stuff. And uh, I, I, if I tried to keep track of what the hell the story is, I don't, I think my head would spin. But uh, <laughs> I, I know it's a part three, but I don't even know that there is a story that's running through this. Um, I have it on that list of albums that just missed my top 50. Um, I think it's because of my disenchantment with power metal or, or the fact that I just don't love it as much as I used to. Um, we were talking about an album the other day and I was just saying, if all the power metal sounded like this, I think I would still be in love with the genre. Um, this, this is close. I, I, I think the first two albums were better. But I, I did enjoy this, and I, I am not surprised that you have it in your top 10. I don't know how he assembles this cast of characters, but he does a great job with it, no question. Yeah, and and whenever something involves Tommy Johansson, it just gets automatically uh, you know catapulted for me. And then you throw in Alessio, and I'm sold. So uh, <laughs> coming in at number nine... Um, we're going to have a lot of power metal for the rest of the night. So strap in uh, at number nine, I have uh, Bloodbound's creatures of the dark realm. Um, this might be my favorite bloodbound album they've done. I really, just, yeah, I, I loved it. I thought it was great. Okay. Uh, I, I, um, I liked it. It was fine. I, I don't think it was anything. I don't think it was anything that different from, from some of their prior stuff, but um Maybe it's just I'm a little biased because I'm a little bloodbound out. I saw them twice on seventy thousand tons of metal. Um, it was it was all right. I, I just I'm a little I don't know. I, I, there, there's a fatigue factor there, I, I think, for me, and, and maybe that's why I didn't have it higher on my list or on. My well, list I have a well. feeling you're probably gonna say the same thing about my number eight album, and that was Powerwolf's Call of the Wild. Which oh man, they didn't do anything new, but I I just found myself enjoying the album as I enjoy all their albums. I am one of the few people that just don't understand this band. I like their stuff. I enjoy listening to their stuff. I just don't have them in that upper echelon that other people have them in. And I don't know why, because I feel like I should love it, but I, I, it's fine. It's good. I enjoy it. I can put it on. I can listen to it. Um, pass me my top 10. And then, and, and, and that's what I guess I find myself gravitating towards more at this point. But I, I do understand why you like them. Um, I just don't, I just don't love them. The, to me, they are like the church version of Sabaton where <laughs> I go into it thinking that I'm going to be completely bored and I end up loving it. Um, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, I guess. But uh, yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, nice. Yeah, so number seven, um, Seven Spires, Gods of Debauchery. Um, this is an album every time I listen to it just got better and better for me. Um, I, I, I thought we spoke about their um, previous album at length in, in a previous episode, and, and we talked with uh, Jack and Adrian about, you know, this album hadn't come out yet. They talked about making it, and um, I thought that it was going to be uh, – very hard for them to top the previous album um emerald seas and sure enough they managed to do it this band is just getting better and better and better and it's only going to be a matter of time before they absolutely blow up um this was wonderful and um the i loved the uh the the long track in sickness and hell or i'm sorry this god is dead with uh roy khan yes. um kind of like putting his blessing on the new the new Camelot in a lot of ways. So uh I, but yeah, this this is great and Adrian just does such a phenomenal job of, of singing in more than one uh 
you know, w- more than one style of vocals. And she just does those heavy growls and uh, that, and then just that, just beautiful, clean vocals just equally as well. Yeah, I have this at number 19. It, it made my top 25 as well. Um, this was so good. I, I think it is their clearly their best album. I think their songwriting has just improved so much um, in such a short time. Um, it took me a while to digest it. It was a long album. I thought there was a lot going on here. There was a lot of different styles, which they seem to blend together so well. Um, but I really enjoyed it. And I feel like if you ask me you know, a year from now to take a look at this list, I think this is one of the ones that has the potential to move up even higher. And I, I had it pretty high at 19, but um, there's something special going on here. And I think that they're uh, on the precipice of really blowing up. Yeah, I, I agree. I it's. I wonder if there's going to be a point where they can't top <laughs> their last album, but they've, they've figured out a way uh, now that they've released three albums. So here I have an album at, at number, at number six that I think, you're going to be rather surprised by. And I think I had mentioned to you that I said, I have an album in my top 10 that I bet you didn't even sniff your list. And maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think that I am, but it's, it's actually an album that came out early in the year. And I, I listened to 17 or 18 times, no joke throughout the course of the year, because it was like my go-to album when I wanted to hear something that was just, well, let's play a little game. Catchy. What is it? What, what what genre? Let me let me take a guess. Uh, it's power metal. <laughs> Shocker. Um, early this year, power metal. Hmm. I don't know. G- give it to me. Uh, Kalidia's Lies Device re-recording. Um, ah. I, yes. I I could from the the moment that the first single came out, <laughs> yeah. I could not stop listening. Um, I didn't really notice this album when it originally came out in 2014 and going back and listening to it now it the the production on this re-recording blows it away um the 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 vocals by Nicoletta Rossellini are unbelievable it's just that kind of catchy Italian power metal that I'm just a sucker for but I could not stop listening to this album throughout the year I think every song is at least really good but then there's songs like uh, the Lost Mariner and, and Black Magic that uh, and the the title track as well that just just blew me out of the water. So um, this yeah. band is very much on my radar now after this re release. I mean, they only had two albums and they decided to re record the the first one. But and and I oh I, I battled about even including this because it's a re recording. But um, I liked it that much. I wanted to include it on the list. Yeah, I, I had a feeling it was going to be up there because I remember when it came out. You you um. You were all over it and, and you and you talked about it a lot off, you know, obviously off the podcast just because of how much you enjoyed it. So I'm not surprised. Um, I think you cheated by putting it by putting a re-recording up there. But it is so different because of the sa- how much better it sounds. And it, it wasn't like they just remastered the album. They re-recorded the whole thing. So I'll give you a pass. Plus, nobody was listening to this in 2014. So you, yeah, I, I, if you I was fam- if I was familiar with the original album, I probably wouldn't have put this on here. It's new to but- you. Yeah, exactly. As they say, if I haven't heard it, it's new to me. <laughs> there you um, go. So we we make That's our way to the top top five, fi- top five and, and in all honesty, you could probably tell me what the top five is because I think you know me that well. Uh, not maybe not in the order, but you probably can guess which five bands. So I'm, at number I'm- five, I have uh, Ad Infinitum's Chapter Two Legacy album. Um, this album, I didn't 
like as much as the uh, uh, as much as the first album upon initial listening and i went back and i went back and i went back and every time i listened to it it just rose up the list until it made its way up to uh number five um i i think that it is actually a hair better than the debut i admit it um but uh yeah this band is another band that i think is on its way to blowing up uh melissa bonnie just like adrian is so good at doing the death vocals but also the clean vocals um the songwriting is fantastic. The musicianship is great. Um, this is a band that's going places. Uh, I predict a opening tour with Camelot at some time in the future. Nice. I, 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 I told you the second I heard this album that this was better than the first one, which I thoroughly enjoyed. I stand by that. I'm glad you finally saw the light. This band is getting bigger and better. And quite frankly, when you look at their trajectory, they're going to be headlining festivals soon. And I, and I do believe that, um, this was more of the same as the first one. If you like the first one, you're going to like chapter two, but I thought it was catchier. I thought it was heavy and it really just hit all the boxes. I had it in my top 10 as well. I have it at number eight. So I think I'm right there with you on this one. I, I love this from the first time I heard it. Other albums that I'll talk about kind of grew on me over time. This one hit me the second I played it. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, it's a well-deserved praise. Um, at number four, Night Flight Orchestra, Aromantic 2. Um, this is another album that I didn't love initially. And again, the more I listened to it, by the time, the last time I listened to it in early December, it flew right back up the, the list. Um, just, just one song after another of just catchy ass tunes. Um, I know you're not a big fan of white jeans, but I love that song. I might wear a pair of white jeans when they finally come play at Prague Power USA someday, or, or maybe just a suit. Maybe nobody wants to see my fat ass in white jeans, but um, <laughs> I, I, I love this. And, and it just, you just put it on and it, and it, it just, uh, it just gets you in such a good mood. Like it, it's, it's just fun music to listen to. And, and they, they, they do this this kind of seventies and eighties kind of throwback sound that I think nobody does, and you think, you know, the singer from Soil Work, like, what's this going to be like? And probably not what you were expecting if you were expecting Soil Work. So, uh, yeah, good stuff. I, I, this was this was uh, this was good, and I just I thought that that the, the first Aromantic album was so good. I think it was in my top five on last year's list. Um, I thought it was going to be hard to, to at least to even just match it, but I think they did. I think both albums are, are um, they're both equally impressive and, and uh, I don't think the sequel, you know, um, is worse than the, the original in this case. I had the first Aromantic at number six. I thought last year, and I, I just absolutely adored this album. This one I struggled with, not that it was bad. I just didn't think it was as good and it came out so uh, close in time to last year's that it was just like a another album for me and it wasn't bad I, it wasn't it wasn't like a huge disappointment but something didn't click for me and I, I I can't really say what it is I am very much looking forward to seeing them live I think that that live show will be fantastic um, but I found myself listening to at the movies more than I did the Night Flight Orchestra which obviously features um, Bjorn on vocals as well, uh, doing their covers of 80s and 90s um, movie tunes. But for some reason, I, I just, um, I, I played this album maybe about a half dozen times and I just didn't 
it didn't click like the other albums did for me, but it wasn't bad by any means. So I, I can understand why you liked it. Excellent. Uh, number three, the, I, I can't believe I'm saying that my number three album of the year is a disappointment, but I, when I knew this, when I found out this band was coming out with a new album, I figured it has to be number one, right? Beast in black, dark connection. Um, uh, it's, it's awesome. It's a great album. I, it just is a shade, a shade below the, uh, the, the from hell with love album, their previous album. And there are two albums that I just happen to enjoy a little bit more, but, um, other than those top two, um, I thought this was great. I thought that they kind of, um, tried out a little bit more stuff. Um, I try like, tried to be a little bit more different and not as uh derivative as the previous album was as good as it was um and i thought they really did that with moonlight rendezvous just kind of had a a different um kind of a different more of a a, a mid-tempo kind of song that i thought they just hit out of the park and then you have your one night in tokyo which is just that like real toe toe tapper uh just good stuff, um, fun to listen to. And the the two covers at the end were really interesting choices to go with Manowar and Michael Jackson <laughs> Can as you your pick covers. Two different bands? Um, I mean, it's, it's yeah. crazy. Um, um, I, I thought the Battle Hymn cover was better than any version that Manowar ever recorded. And uh, I agree and, with that. And I thought even, I think, you know, Giannis couldn't help himself, had to do a, a Michael Jackson cover and, and sing, you know, Michael Jackson better than Michael Jackson. So... This, um, they, they were in a tough spot with this record as far as I'm concerned because their last one was my album of the year. I thought it was obviously that good. Um, I have this at 13 and, um, it, it oscillated. Uh, there were times where it was in the top 10. It was one point probably closer to 30. I liked it, but it, something didn't click and ultimately it found its way over here. Um, it's, it's the way I would say it is it's good enough and highly enjoyable. And that's why it's high, high as it is, but it wasn't as good as the last one. Um, but by obviously no means bad because I listened to hundreds of albums this year and this was, um, in the top 15. So that's good. This band is also continuing to shoot up in popularity. And I think that they're another band that'll be headlining soon enough just because, um, you can't listen to this and not enjoy it. You, you just, well, they just are impossible. headlining just, uh, on the wrong side of the country for yeah, us. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know. I guess I have to travel for that. Um, it's um, that is a shame. I'm 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 waiting for that East Coast um, headlining show. But if not, uh, may have to travel. There you go. Um, number two, uh, Epica's Omega album. Um, I this is just one of those bands that just hits it out of the park each and every time. And I think that this album is even better than the last handful for whatever it is. Um, it's not like they're kind of changing the style, but it's kind of like they've, their music is like their own genre, like Epica metal. Um, <laughs> and, and they're fantastic at it. And I thought this was, to me, this was one of the best Epica albums. And that's saying something because all their albums are, are at the, at the very least great. So, um, I enjoyed this a lot. This, for me, this band has become a victim of their own success. And and by that, I mean every album is just so damn good that I don't even have this in my top 50. And and the reason for it is not that it wasn't good. I I enjoyed the album. And every time I listen to it, I say to myself, this band is so great and, and this album is so good. But like, 
I've just heard all of this stuff so many times in the past that if, if another band had put this album out, it would be in my top five. But they're they're a victim of their own name and of their own success. And I just didn't have it as high because it's nothing new, in my opinion, from them. It's just more of the same great stuff. But I, I found myself gravitating towards other things. And when you hear my top 10, I think you'll, you'll understand why, let alone the top 25. There's a lot of stuff in here where... It, it's stuff that I hadn't been listening to, but just kind of blew me away because it was new and, and different. Maybe not number one, but for the rest of the stuff. Uh, uh, there's a lot of albums that I wish I had a chance to listen to more, like more times um, than I did. And there was a few things that I, I, I didn't even get a chance to like listen to really too well, like the, the new Manimal album. Cause it just came out a few weeks ago, but uh, to know Surprise to anybody. Um, <laughs> this album was uh, my number one album on June 18th and never <laughs> left that slot for the rest of the year. And, and, and I listened, I, I didn't, I, I didn't say that this has to be number one. Like I was, my ears were open and I was willing to <laughs> let something take over the number one spot if I felt like it deserved it. But the truth is, is that the self-titled Halloween album was my album of the year. And it was an album that, I, I mean, I waited a 20 over 20 years to hear and it didn't disappoint in any way. And we got to talk about it in long form when it was first released. And I think I had given it a 9.5 at the time. And uh, I stand by that rating. Um, I thought it was, I, I just thought it was a, a phenomenal album start to finish. Um, I think Andy Darris was is doing the best songwriting of his of his career. Um, Wikey's uh, songs that he contributed were phenomenal, and and Kai didn't write a lot, but he wrote this just unbelievable um, epic tune in Skyfall. Um, it, it this I I, th- I just think that if this is what Halloween's going to be going forward, uh, count me in because I. I think it just has breathed a whole new life into this band, and and, I, and this is coming from somebody who loved uh, their last their last album um, with just the, the you know the original band with Darius and everything. Um, I thought that was their best album in a long time, but this is just on a whole nother level. And the second I started the the, the disc and and heard the the opening of out for the glory, and then Michael Kiss starts singing. And for the first time in 30 years, Michael Kiska is singing to a song that Michael Wycath wrote. I mean, it was just it, it, nothing else stood a chance this year. And I just thought this was, was that good. And um, it, to, to just jump ahead a little bit, um, Robot King was my song of the year. I, I just really, yeah, just, just right. an unbelievable, unbelievable song, unbelievable album. Um, and, um, and as a diehard Halloween fan, it was pretty much everything that I wanted it to be and everything I expected and hoped it to be. So that's my number one. This album, um, couldn't help but disappoint. And by that, I mean the, I don't even want to talk about expectations, but when you have Kai Hansen and Michael Kisk and the rest of Halloween in the same recording studio for the first time, essentially in, in all these years, um, there was, it, it was either going to be the number one album of the year or it was going to just royally disappoint. And it's my album of the year as well. I, the, the second I heard Skyfall, 
I, 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 I had a smile on my face that I just couldn't remove. And I played the song over and over. And, and obviously we discussed the album in long form. Um, the reason I have this as number one is really just because it made me smile more so than any other disc I heard um, this year. I don't think it's a perfect album. I'm not even sure if it's their best. It's it's probably not, to be honest with you. But I just enjoyed it so much. And there's a bit of a nostalgia pick here, obviously. But when I went through the rest of my list and I enjoyed a lot of these albums, I thought that, you know, just as as, as a year in music, I thought there were a lot of good releases. I, I didn't think there were a ton of great releases or definitely all-time great releases where I was going to look back 10 years from now and say, you know, this is this was still one of the best albums of 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 of, of the time period. Um, this would be the only one I think of my top twenty five where I would look back and say, still, absolutely fantastic, top notch Halloween. If that if that makes sense. Whereas some of the other stuff is really really good, but I didn't think it was necessarily like transcendent music. So I, I had to put it at number one as well. Um, my song of the year is Skyfall for, for the reasons I just mentioned. So I think we have a little bit of a similarity there as well. But um, you took a little bit of my thunder away, but I, I, I knew what your number one album was going to be six months ago, let, let alone six minutes ago. So um, I'm glad you chose it. I think it's well yeah. Where, whereas I wasn't sure if this would be number one for you. So um, it's, yeah, it, it, it's, it might be the only time we ever have uh the same album that's number one i mean I, I um i think we were pretty far apart last year um so uh maybe this is just the moment where we're on the same page for once <laughs> well i'm looking at my top 50 list and by my count we had 10 in common which is not a lot when you figure that we you know obviously do this podcast and we've been listening to the same music together for 25 years there's only 10 out well i shouldn't say that obviously i i haven't heard 26 through 50 so well i'll i'll read them off to you real quick 26 through 50 i'll just name the bands uh metalite phantom elite dragony frozen crown serenia pentakill neon fly arion not arion arion uh therion skeleton mm. crown temple balls terra maze uh, Lauren Luimo, the um, the duet album, North Tale, Temperance, Timo Tolki's Avalon, The Grandmaster, Dream Theater, uh, Draconicon, which you told me about last week, and that made it onto the list. Um, Ravian, uh, and uh, and uh, League of Lights, which I had mentioned um, in our Richard West episode. Leprous, Catalyst, Crime, and uh, I have Need at number fifty. Very interesting. Um, definitely some more overlap than, than, than I originally had said. Um, I, I won't get into too much detail, but I, I guess I'll, I'll start with um, some of the stuff towards the back end just because I want to mention a few words of it. Um, <laughs> there are two bands on the list called Crown, the first one of which came in at 47 for me, and the album was called The End of All Things. Um, it was on Pelagic Records, much like The Ocean. Um, this was my post-metal album of the year. Uh, if you like The Ocean, you got to check these guys out. Very, very cool stuff. Very dark. Um, not usually my go-to style of music, but I, I do appreciate it quite a bit. And, and I, I listened to this album early on in the year, and it just stayed in my top 50 the whole time. So a little shout-out to Crown. Um, you know, you had mentioned it being a very strong year for melodic metal, uh, I have a ton of melodic death metal in my top 50. I thought that there were about four or five just fantastic melodic death metal albums, um, some of which are Ghost of Atlantis. Um, what else do we have? Silent Line. 
um, just a, a lot of um, stuff towards the back end, and then we'll get into some more as we as we push into the top twenty five. But I thought it was just a really good year for melodic death metal. Um, one of the albums that we kind of joked about was Evergrey's Escape of the Phoenix. I had it in my list, and then I didn't have it in my list. And now it's back in my list again. I have this at number 33. It grew on me with each listen. I I don't think it was um, anything entirely new, but I thought it was just exceptionally well done. And I had to put it in the top 50 just because um, it it, it grew on me and it kind of had some sticking power towards the end of the year. I, I was, I found myself enjoying it more than I anticipated. So a couple of words about Evergrade. I, I, I would have liked to have listened to it more because in the couple of times I listened to it, it was easily my favorite Evergrey album in a long time. And I think that eternal nocturnal is maybe my favorite Evergrey song ever. I, I nice. thought that was such a really good, just a really, really good song. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, there's just certain things like I only I think I only listened to the the Iron Maiden album once. Like there's just certain, so, there's only so much time, and and if I if it didn't grab me enough to go back and listen to it again, then unfortunately, I mean I listened to a lot. Like you know, last year I couldn't even make a list of fifty, and this year I had a number of albums that fell off of a top fifty list um, by some really good artists. So uh, definitely trying to cram more music into my brain each uh each year that goes by um but uh yeah i'm looking forward to hearing uh your top 25 um or at least the 15 that we didn't overlap so <laughs> we'll, we'll get we're gonna get there um but I, i'd be remiss you know you talk about like not enough time one of the albums that i i was on my list but i i think had i spent more time with it it would have been higher up on the list was between the buried and me's colors two it came in at 32 I really enjoyed it, but there was just so much going on there. And the album was just so dense um, that I think I would have needed a month with it. And I just didn't have the time. So it made the list. And um, if you give me more time, it probably makes the top 25, but it's, it's just on the outside looking in at this point. Um, So that, that, that's for the prog fans out there. Um, I had North tail at 28. I was shocked at how much I enjoyed this album. Um, I thought it was so much better than the first um, I love the new singer, and I just liked how each song kind of gave a real shout out to some of the band's clear influences. I mean, there's one track that could have easily been on Holy Land by Angra, so um, a lot going on there. But I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that album. It was as like well. it was like a tribute album to the the, the mixtape that Ralph made me in high school. Yeah, it was I, exactly. <laughs> it was basically like the mixtape in 1997, but played with this 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 production and like you know current current production and stuff Th- like this that. was another one i i wish i could have listened to more it came out kind of towards the end of the year um i have a feeling it probably would have landed a little bit higher um but it still made the top 50 uh all things considered but yeah i think that they're definitely a band that's on the way up too yeah i i completely um i completely agree with you um and without further ado we'll we'll get into the top 25 obviously i mentioned eclipse at, at eclipse at 25 my 24th album was one that I had not heard of. It was one of the few albums that I had not heard of um, at all until Glenn um, from Prague Power had put out his top 50 list. Um, this one was a complete surprise to me. It was called, um, or the band is called The Amorphous Androgynous, and the album is called We Persuade Ourselves, We Are Immortal. Um, so I, I can't take credit for this. I had never heard of these guys. But when I listened to this, I immediately thought of 
Pure Reason Revolution's The Dark Third Part Two. Um, it is one of my top five albums of all time. Um, we've not yet discussed it on the podcast. I will make you sit down and do a deep dive into that album at some point. Um, it is, I listened to it yesterday. That's, that's how much I love that album. But when I listened to this, it, it really harkened back to, to that sound of just like this ambient, like almost Pink Floyd, um, type thing that they have going on. Um, this came out of absolute nowhere, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I know it's not on your list. I don't even know if you've heard it, but um, for me, it, it just checked off all the boxes. Um, I probably downloaded one of the songs. Um, I usually try to listen to uh, Glenn's entire, um, at least one song from Glenn's list, because there's usually a handful of things that I am not familiar with. So yeah, I did I did get to listen to the title track. Um but I, you know, because I was getting my list ready, I didn't get a chance to really listen to the playlist of Glenn's stuff more than really just one time. Um, so yeah, that's something that I'll have to, uh, revisit. Yeah. It's, it's not, um, easily accessible. So I, I don't know that it's going to click for you, but give it a shot. I think it's worth at least one, one playthrough. Um, coming in at number 23 was a band called Aranea. And the album was called A Voice for the Lost. This was like my alternative album of the year. And by that, I mean like think Evanescence, but with more of an alternative rock sound from like the late 90s. This was a late addition for me um, as I only heard it in December and I completely overlooked it as I believe it came out in March. Um, I can't really describe it other than I can say like think of like 90s alt rock, but with a really awesome female singer singing over the top. I think you would love this. And the reason I actually chose this or, or kind of went back to it is because the cover art was so good that it forced me to listen to this album. I said, what is this? And then I played it and I realized that it was really, really enjoyable. So sneak peek at my album art of the year. Uh, this is, this is one of them for sure, because if it wasn't for the cover work here, I don't think I would have ever listened to the album. I am not sure I've, heard of the band um so i'll have to check that out yeah for sure yeah um 22 we come in with our um pop album of the year which was white moth black butterflies the cost of dreaming um this was kind of the brainchild of daniel Tompkins from tesseract um a ton of radio friendly stuff on here with outstanding production it was just a really nice change of pace and i found myself going back to it a lot especially after i listened to some of the heavier stuff that's on this list um just and i can't describe it other than i like radio pop rock um you know but with a, with with a prog flair to it i guess we'll say but just really really cool nice uh female vocals that um kind of made it pop um an underrated release that I don't think a lot of people were talking about this year. Nice. And uh, yeah, it's, it was, it was just a, a nice, um, just, just something very, very uh, different. Uh, at number 21, uh, one of many prog albums on my list, the band is called lucid awakening. The album was called drifting in a sea of uncertainty. Um, kind of eclectic prog rock, uh, prog metal, I should say. Uh, one of those things where like kind of just kept me on my toes because every time I thought it was going to zig, it zagged. Um, another album that a lot of people were really not talking about, but if you're a prog metal fan, this is something I think you would love. Um, even you, I think would appreciate it as more of a power metal guy. Just because even it was, me. 
Yeah, even even you as a <laughs> even you as a power metal guy, I think you'd enjoy it. Um, I, admittedly, it was it probably could have been higher on my list. I just didn't play it enough. But every time I listened to it, I just um, really enjoyed it. Cool. Yeah, that's one that I um, missed too. So yeah, you, you you're gonna miss number twenty as well because I only have one thrash album on my list. Although I did enjoy the new Exodus album quite a bit, but um, at number twenty is uh, Cryptosis with Bionic Swarm. Um, this is the way I like my thrash really, really tight production, um, really, really good sound and just exceptionally tight playing, obviously led with like these guitar riffs that are just phenomenal. Um, this, this is a band that every time I hear the album, I say to myself, this screams 70,000 tons of metal. This is the kind of album that you need to, (laughs) you need to be out in the middle of the Atlantic ocean and have these guys just tearing up the main stage. Um, I really enjoyed this album, and, and and for a guy who's not the biggest thrash fan of all, this 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 definitely satisfied my appetite for for the year. Yeah, well, but was it as good as Megadeth? Oh uh, yeah, well that's <laughs> a story for another day, uh, for for sure. Um, Seven Spires at nineteen, as I mentioned, number eighteen was Caramaze and the Beauty They Perceive. Um, this album was great. They released an EP this year that was very good. They released a single in a song called Battle, which was really good. They were the busiest band of 2021 as far as I'm concerned, but I feel remiss if I didn't put them on the list. Um, lots of listens to, to Terra Maze because of just the quantity of material that they put out. But I, I wanted, I thought that this deserved a special place because I really enjoyed this album a lot. I did too. I, I liked it a lot. And it's funny, we both had a joke about um, one of the year-end awards would be Best Terramaze Album. Cause they, just, <laughs> they did so much. Um, but yeah, I, I thought this was wonderful. Um, just really good stuff. It's um, it's on my top 50 list as well, and uh, and it's uh, very, very well-deserved. Yes, uh, completely, completely agree. Um, coming up at number 17 is the Neil Morse Band, Innocence and Danger. This was my prog rock album of the year. Neil Morse is an absolute genius. Um, I, I didn't love the new Transatlantic album that much, but he hit a home run with this solo album. And if you just look at this man's discography, it is incredible the amount of quality material that he has put out um, year over year. This this was a no-brainer for me. I didn't listen to it a ton, but I loved it every time I listened to it. So it, it, it made it pretty high up on my list. I, I Have you given that a listen at all? or not No, so much? no, I haven't, to be honest with you. It's, it's I, I think that his stuff is just very accessible, even for prog rock. Um, definitely highly recommended. Cool. Uh, I'm looking forward to listening to your, uh, your playlist just to kind of catch up on some of these things I had missed. So yeah, I, I, I have already made the, the, the post that's going to go on our Reddit page and I included links to songs for each of these albums. Obviously I'm not giving a description because we obviously are doing that right now. Um, but I, I will say that the, the playlist is kind of an all-in-one shop that I think people can check out some of the stuff that either they missed or they want to go back to and listen again. So that'll be there for anyone that wants to hear it. Um, coming in at number 16 was my melodic death metal album of the year. And in a year where there were a lot of them, uh, Demotional's Scandinavian Aftermath. This is exactly how I like my melodic death metal. It's catchy. It's hook-driven. It's keyboard laden and it has just a perfect blend of growls and clean vocals. Um, really, really good stuff. Um, in a genre where there's kind of a lot of crap, this, this really just ascended to the top, uh, with, with some others. So, um, definitely worth a listen. Uh, this was 
just shy of my top 50. I actually, really? Yeah, I, I like this quite a bit. Um, I probably should have listened to it a little bit more, but um, yeah, it, it, it uh, you had recommended it and I, I thought it was quite good. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's catchy. It's not just, you know, melodic death metal for the sake of death metal. They actually emphasize the melodic, which I think is important. I, I could not uh, could not agree more, and uh, I look forward to kind of going back and giving that another listen. Nice. Um, I, I, I think um, so do I, to be honest with you. It's, it's been a couple of uh, weeks since I've heard it. Um, coming in at number 15 is the first album that made my list back in January, and it just stayed there the entire year. I have no idea how I heard about this album. I literally just stumbled upon it, and it was an instrumental disc. And yet here we are. And, and no, it's, it's, it's not liquid tension experiment that, that, that I knew. Um, this, this is a band called Sithu I S I T H U A Y E. And the album is called Senpai three. And if you look at the cover, you would think it's some sort of an anime disc or something like that. I really don't know what the words mean or what's going on, um, on the cover or why they called it Senpai three, but this instrumental disc was fantastic. And um, simply put, one of my absolute favorite, favorite songs of the year was on this disc. I, I don't think it's going to be like the number one song of the year or anything like that, as, as we've already discussed that. But there was a song on this disc called Mari's New Day, and it was one of the best songs I've ever heard. It was that it was that good. You had uh, sent me that song and I thought it was great. Um, that That album was also just outside of my top 50 as well. I enjoyed nice. that a lot. And another really good uh, recommendation on your part. Um, yeah. Something a little bit different, but something really just enjoyable. It's nice. to Sometimes you get lucky when you just stumble upon something. And that was definitely one of them um, coming in at number 14 was a band that you had mentioned earlier. I think it was in your top 50 and that's uh, neon flies. The future tonight. Uh, I love this band. This album was actually recorded in 2019. It finally saw the light of day in 2021 um, as it had been years since their prior release. Uh, this, I don't think, was their most balanced album in the sense that there were a couple of tracks in here that I didn't care for as much. But some of the other material was just so good that I had to had to put it high up on the list and I, I listened to it a ton. Um, it's It's amazing to me that this band does not get any recognition. Nobody talks about these guys, but I feel like they should be, you know, on everyone's radar. And I, that's not why I put them so high up on the list. I just happen to love these guys. Yep. Another one that was, um, that one actually made it into my top 50 again on your recommendation. And, uh, yeah, just I, everything you said was true. I, I enjoyed it a lot and it was a nice, I had a lot of nice surprises thanks to some good recommendations by you. So um, I, I have an idea as to what you like. So I try to give you only the stuff that I think you're going to enjoy. Well, you 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 nailed it on that one. Good, good, good. Uh, Beast in Black at 13, Labyrinth at 12. At number 11 was um, the best Dream Theater album that Mike Mangini has ever made. And that's a view from the top of the world. I couldn't believe how good this album was when I first heard it. And, and there's... You know, it's dream theater, so you're going to get some of the wankery. We, we know what that's all about. But this was – I thought the songwriting was so tight on this album. And and is it Images and Words? No. Are they going to go back to Images and Words? No. Is it Awake? No. But this was such, this was probably the dream theater album I liked the most since Six Degrees of Inner Turbulence. That's how good I thought this album was um, from top to bottom. And I just – 
you know, for a band that I thought was getting just a little bit stale and, you know, I don't have to tell you what I thought about the astonishing because I thought it was just astonishingly bad. This album was just a, a, a real return to form for these guys. I loved it. I like this a lot too. I kind of wish I listened to it a little bit more, but it was definitely to me, the most memorable dream theater album in, in, in a while. Um, and I thought that they stuck, they stayed away from, doing too much which they have definitely been guilty of and i think the astonishing is the epitome of them doing too much and i know it's a love it or hate it album i honestly never even got to listen to the entire thing just because i couldn't set aside two hours <laughs> to don't, listen don't waste to just one dream theater album and that so to me that was a negative but i mean um i know there's people that love it um i just thought that this was kind of dream theater just sticking to what it does best without having you know 27 and 42 or 38 minute songs it's just like <laughs> let's just make an album like it's like a dream theater album and and i i agree with you i think it's their best work since mike mangini joined the band yeah i i once i heard it was in your top 50 i said they must have something here because i know i know your thoughts on labrie and everything else so uh kudos, kudos i, I, I still them. think labrie sounds phenomenal in the studio it's just uh, it's just like night and day with uh when they perform live, but I mean, they, he still sounds great um, in a studio setting. Can't, I won't, we'll never take that away from him or his producer. <laughs> there, you, there you go. Um, and with that, we get into the top 10 uh, at number 10 was an album that when I heard it was coming out, I was hoping that it was going to be the album of the year. It wasn't, um, but it was good and it was consistent and they are just so good live that I was, a little biased, even though I haven't heard any of this material live, and that's Sones Imperial. Um, I enjoyed the hell out of this album. I, to me, I've always said this, this is like the modern blend of old Tool and old Opeth without the growls. And I just think that these guys are on, like, we talk about bands on the precipice of blowing up. They've already started to blow up. Um, they were great at Prog Power. They were great on 70,000 Tons. I caught both of their sets. Um, I have to see these guys live again as they just continue to gain popularity. And this album did not do them a disservice. They, this was a really good album from start to finish. If anything, it was disappointing coming in at 10, just because, like I said, I, I, I had aspirations or I kind of thought that this would be in the top three, but it just never quite landed there. It was a little weaker than that, but it was still a very good release. Uh, yeah. Um, I, oh, I wanted to listen to this one more and I, I think I listened to it once, thought it was good, and then everything else just kind of passed it by, and I never went back to it. I had, I had the intentions of listening to so many more albums in this past week, and then I ended up having to go into this like training thing for work, and I, I listened to almost no music this week, and so cert certain things maybe didn't fall where they should have. But I, I know a lot of people spoke very highly of, of the Soul album. So maybe something that I can uh, circle back to in uh, the new year. Well, the, the number nine album I have is something that you not only are not circling back to, but it's something you probably will not even try to <laughs> digest. Um, this was Bellacore's Coherence. These guys, simply put, are a modern-day Opeth. They are Australia's answer to what Opeth was doing around Blackwater Park, and they are phenomenal. This 
was another album that much like Between the Buried and Me, there was a lot to digest here and it took a number of listens, but it clicked and just like all their old albums, it clicked and when it clicks, it, it winds up in my top 10. I love these guys and they're a band that I am dying to see live just because of the um, complexity and the uh, depth of their music, which is just phenomenal. So um, this is one of the better prog albums of the year. Um, to be honest with you, I actually am, you know, just taking a quick look at the list. I think this was my prog album of the year with, with, with this, the Sony and the Dream Theater with the three best um, this year. I just absolutely loved it. Well, they were in good company. That's one I'm going to have to uh, listen to because I am not familiar with that one. Yeah, I, I had a feeling, and that and that's okay. That it's this is um, they're they're a little bit off the beaten path, and not just from the, because they're from from Australia, but just because um, they they are a bit abrasive and 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 aggressive in parts, and it's just um, it's that dichotomy between the 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 clean instrumental tracks that they have and these like long epic. Um, heavy tracks that I just absolutely love. So check it out. Definitely worth, definitely worth listening to, uh, at infinitum at eight, uh, Ibu's album at seven at number six was, um, almost, almost, almost my, my rookie of the year album for, for, for a band that had, there was a lot of hype for this release and it did not disappoint. And that's spirit boxes, eternal blue. Um, if it wasn't for an album that I'm going to speak about in a couple of moments, um, this lived up to all the hype. It was not flawless, but the highs were among the best of any album I heard this year. And I listened to this album a ton. Um, they're another band that's going to absolutely blow up. And this was only their first release. The future is exceptionally bright if the songwriting stays as good as it has been. Uh, I enjoyed this one as well, too. Um, another one that kind of just missed the top uh, 50 for me, but um, I, I thought this was, was really good as well. Um, very very promising uh, debut album for sure. The no question. Um, number five was by far the biggest surprise for me. This album that I'm about to talk about came out of absolutely nowhere. And when I think back to the band's prior efforts, I would not put these albums in my top 50, uh, top 50, my top 500. I was not really a fan of the band until this album came out and blew me away. And that's Locke Vostick's Opus Ferox, The Great Escape. Um, they changed their singer, Teddy Moeller, no longer on vocals. And what a difference. This got, singer was phenomenal. And the album was very, very similar to me, um, to the new Pyramaze album, which I just, or which I just absolutely loved. It's that catchy, chunky blend of melodic power metal and a little bit of prog. And I just thought it was exceptionally well done. I had it at 56. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it was It was just... Um, I only listened um, to it once, but it, I, it made it to 56 on one listen. So Nice. I, and I think that says, says a lot about it because this album was just... It came out of nowhere. I was not expecting it. But when I heard the single, I said to myself, we're in for something special. And I just enjoyed this album a lot. And I think if there's any album that I was going to grab after we're done, I want to listen to this one again, just because I enjoyed it that much. I, I just, it was a fun release. It was, it was catchy. It was chunky. It had, it had everything. Beautiful. Number four. Uh, uh, I can't believe I'm saying this. Temple Balls, Pyramide. I kept going back to this album. And even though the name of the band is so stupid, this is just <laughs> great melodic hard rock 
hooks that last for days um, and just fun songs. And I just kept listening to it and I would go and then I wouldn't listen to it for a couple of weeks. And then I would go back to it. And I just, it, it was one of those things where I just played it so much. Um, I liked it right away and it just never, um, it never fell off the wagon for me. I just kept it up high on my list because of how much I enjoyed it over and over again. Um, just a fantastic release. Yeah. I mean, the name of the band almost kept me from listening to it at all, but I'm so glad that I did because this was really, really good stuff. And, and if you just enjoy good old fashioned, fun, melodic metal, this is a can't miss album. Totally, totally agree. Um, number three, I don't know if it's uh, Prague. I don't know if it's radio rock. I don't know what the hell it is, but Sleep Tokens, This Place Will Become Your Tomb. Um, not a perfect album, but nearly flawless. I It was so different and so introspective. And, and the band is so mysterious. You don't know who's in the band. You don't know what they look like. Um, there's something so unique about their sound. Um, and the singer is just so different from anything else I listened to. I'm happy that they gained a lot of traction with this release and it seemed to go over well, although I admit it was very polarizing. I love this album. I know I know your thoughts. I know that it probably wouldn't make a list of a top 1000 for you, but I loved it and so much so that it wound up at number three on my list. Yeah, I'll I'll talk about that album a little bit later. Okie dokie, I guess we'll get to that. And number two, which was a album that um another album that I just went back to over and over again and it might have been my most played album this year um and is the reason why Eclipse is at number 25 and that's Crown's Kings in the North um this came out of nowhere it was short it was sweet and it was catchy as hell and it was one of those things where it was such an easy listen partially because of the length and partially just because the songs are just so catchy and melodic that like there's no way they're going to top this. This they, they hit it out of the park with their debut. I don't think they're ever going to come close to this again. It was just so um, tight and succinct that I I probably played it, like I said, more than any other album just because it was um, – it was just – I don't know. It was just a pleasure to listen to. And, and if it wasn't going to be Halloween this year, Crown probably would have been uh, my number one album of the year. Uh, yeah, I like this one a lot too. Again, I never had heard of them. Uh, and then sure enough, you told me to listen to them and yeah, that this was great. I think I have them right next to actually, yeah, right one slot ahead of temple balls actually. So there you go. Both and so, neck and neck for me. Uh, yeah. I, I, I couldn't, uh, uh, I, I, as obviously they were close for me, I think I liked both discs a little bit more than you, but not by, not by a ton. Um, both just really, really catchy albums. And I, I think that if you look at this list, I mean, I, I didn't even get into all the albums in the top 50, but what, what I found myself doing is gravitating to just diversity. And I would go from Bellacore to Crown down to, I don't know, Altesia, which is like a French prog band that, you know, that, that um, released a really good album earlier this year. And I, I was just bouncing all over the place, but it really kept things fresh and interesting for me because I, I just can't listen to the same things over and over again. Makes complete sense. So I think with that, we wrap up our top 25. So you want to get to some of the other categories before we uh, before we head out? Yeah, sure. Uh, we talked about our songs of the year, and they were both off of the Halloween self-titled album. And uh, you went Kai and I went Waikie. But, um, you know, uh, th- there was no shortage of great songs um, from that album. And, uh, hell, I would even say Fear of the Fallen might be the best Halloween song Andy Darris ever, ever wrote. So, uh Good choices there. Um, 
Who did you have for your uh, for your best debut album? This yeah, in I cheated and I just looked at the list and I said to myself, "Well, what is the highest one on the list?" And I go back to Crown. I, I think it was. I thought it was just a fantastic debut with Spirit Box right behind them. I thought for for two albums with their first real releases to hit my top ten, I thought that that was a real testament to both bands. Uh, yeah, um, I think that I will have to agree with you. Um, I if. If Annette had not released the album before Strong, I'd say she would. I mean, I, it's kind of like a debut album because it's her first like full metal album as a solo artist. But um, yeah, I, I would say I, I didn't have a ton of, of first timers um, on my list. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'm going to just kind of defer to you on that one. Well, I, I think that um, I know that you enjoyed both. Uh, I know that Crown was a little bit more enjoyable, but listen, I, the fact of the matter is, for 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 new showings or for bands that are you know really just showing their wares for the first time, they could have done a lot worse than those two. So yeah, for them. I, I also I think the Grandmaster is worth mentioning too. Which, yes, um, yes. We we kind of spoke with uh, with Jens Ludwig uh, during the summer last year. Oddly enough, that same weekend that you were driving up listening to the Edu album, um, and he had hinted at working on a new project, and and it turned out to be the Grandmaster. And I thought it was really good for their uh, their first album. Um, yeah, I, I I was impressed with it, and I I enjoyed it. It, it didn't it didn't blow me away, but I, I thought it was thought it was very very good. Um, and and with uh, Nando Fernandez's vocals, I just yeah, just thought it was it was good stuff. So no argument for me. I, I thought it was really good. I hope they stay together and come out with some more stuff. To be honest with you, um, okay. Um, how about biggest, biggest disappointment? Uh, yeah, um, there are a lot. Uh, can I can I just let me let me just say a couple of yeah, things. I have, I, have, I have I have four on the list because I couldn't really choose between for different reasons. I have four on the list. The first is Senjetsu by Iron Maiden, and and I say that because as much as I liked the songs. I thought the production was just so awful and I, I make no bones about it. I wish Lord would have recorded the whole thing because I thought <laughs> that their cover was 10 times better than Iron Maiden sound on that album. And I don't understand how a big budget band that's, you know, filling up stadiums uh, cannot produce an album that sounds better. I mean, it sounds, it was the worst sounding Maiden album I've ever heard. And, and this is a band that has more money than God. So I, I just didn't understand that. Disappointed in terms of the sound, not in terms of the quality of the music itself. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, another one was uh, above, above the Beyond by Leverage, which I mentioned earlier. I won't belabor that point, um, but just disappointing. I I, I, I love the band and I wanted more from that release. Uh, another real big disappointment was The Future Bites by Stephen Wilson. I thought that this album didn't do anything for me. I thought he was doing experimenting into areas that I just could not appreciate and, and just did not care for that album at all. And then in terms of just a single song that it encapsulates um, what I did not like about this year's music, all we knew and ever loved by Earthside after their debut, I expected Earthside to be like the second coming of like, you know, the, 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 the new Renaissance of prog metal, that song, did nothing for me. And I just, I, I don't know if that's the end of the band or what, but I cannot get into that song. And I remember talking about it because it was about a week before it was released. I spoke about it on the podcast and I said, you know, this Earthside song is coming out next week. I'm looking forward to it. And if you'll notice, I never mentioned it again because I hated it and I just couldn't get <laughs> into it. And I, I just thought the first album was so good. And then they kind of fell by the wayside for me. What about you? I, 
I didn't listen to it just because I think you had mentioned that you didn't like it. And, and I said, I hadn't heard it. And you were like, you don't bother. So yeah, I took your, I took your advice. Um, honestly, I'm going to catch a lot of flack for this, but the, the sleep token album did nothing for me. I, I, I didn't hate it as much as you probably make it sound, but, um, it just was, it just was kind of boring. Like I, I, maybe I needed to give it more, more listens, but it was just a, a little bit too sleepy for me. So unfortunately not really, maybe just not really my, uh, my thing. And, um, I, I guess the only other thing I really would mention, I guess, is, um, the liquid tension experiment album, while it was enjoyable, I just thought it was like, uh, like too much. Like I thought that this could have been a one disc album and they just like exactly what I was saying, what dream theater didn't do on their latest album, liquid tension experiment did it instead by making six songs (laughs) clock in over 10 minutes. And yeah, we get it. You guys are good musicians, but you know, I I thought this really could have been uh, a one, a one out, like a one disc, one disc pony, I guess, if you will. I hear you. I hear you. Uh, What do you have for best cover art? Um, I mean, I'm going to have to go with Halloween on this one. Um, I I thought it was just a very cool looking, um, almost like a museum-esque art kind of style. Um, I got the limited edition box set, which uh, came with the vinyl. And it was really cool to, to see that kind of artwork in, in a larger, larger form. Um, so that was my, uh, that was my number, number one, uh, as far as artwork goes. It was when kind you get of the easy, tattoo, easy I'll, I'll look forward to seeing it on your arm or your back. Yeah, well, I'm not going to get the Beast in Black album cover uh, tattooed on my back, so I'll just say that much. <laughs> I, I think that that's probably a good thing for you. Um, I'll, I'll say this. Um, best cover art for me, A Voice for the Lost. As I mentioned, Aranea, if it wasn't for the cover art, I wouldn't have listened to the album, so I think that that speaks volumes. The other one that comes to mind was Rivers of Nihil, The Work, um, an album that really didn't click for me very much. I thought it was okay, but I thought the cover art was amazing. I was familiar with the band, though, so I'm kind of cheating. I, I knew what was going on there, but I thought it was really good. Very nice. Um, number next best, best comeback album. Best comeback album. Um, I don't know that I have, I don't know that I have one just because the bands that I expected to come out with good albums did. Um, and the bands, I guess that I wasn't expecting much from weren't on, the list so um i you know what i'm gonna go with annette just because uh, her last album was such a different style it's a good choice Um, yeah i'm gonna go with the the annette olsen uh solo album i thought that um magnus carlson kind of really like breathed some life into her solo act and and really gave it kind of that um that that kick that metal kick in the butt i guess that's a really good choice. I, I have Lock Vostick there just because you want to talk about a comeback album. They were never there for me. And then all of a sudden they released this and it wound up in my top five. So that's my comeback album, even though I don't know that they were ever there. But uh, uh, we'll go with that. Uh, best concert? Uh, well, I only went to one metal concert the whole year and I got COVID at it. So uh, <laughs> unleash the archers. Uh, Unleashing um, the COVID all throughout Rochester, I guess. Yeah. I mean, hey, it was a hell of a show. I mean, um, maybe next time I see a metal show, I won't. Uh, you know, develop a, a deadly virus, but um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of an easy choice being that it was the only metal show I went to. I also saw collective soul. Um, uh, they played with, 
um, better than Ezra and tonic. Um, that was just the first concert I'd been to in a long time. And just kind of getting to see like an outdoor show in the summertime when, um, the, the weather was nice and, and everybody was outside and you didn't feel like you had to sit inside a hot building with a mask on. Um, that just that, uh, environment was just nice to, to go back to, but, uh, yeah, my concert going was, uh, pretty few and far between. We'll go to, um, my choice, which was really twofold. I, I didn't see a ton of concerts, but swallow the sun was just fantastic live and unleash the archers. Like you mentioned, they, they've gotten so much better. Um, since the last time I saw them, they're really developing as a band and, and swallow the sun is just, you know, a bunch of professionals. So it's kind of like a two way race there. I, I, I look forward to catching more shows in 2022. Um, hopefully sooner rather than later. And I trust that things will get better uh, this spring. So I look forward to that. Let's go to um, biggest surprise. Uh, I, I, for me, it, it would have to be the Kalidia, um re-recording of Lies device because I really wasn't expecting much of anything. I mean, what, like, what do you expect? The band's re-recording one of their only two albums. And, uh, it just really just blew me out of the, blew me away. Um, so that was a surprise for me. And, and, you know, I would probably put, um, the Ronnie Atkins and the Edu albums kind of as big surprises. I wasn't expecting to enjoy those albums quite as much as I did. So I'll, I'll throw those in the hat as well. Nice. Um, I, I am with you. Uh, for me, it's a couple of things. Number one was something that I heard really late in the year. And this was a one man band from, I think, Arizona. The album was under the title Desiderium, and the album was called Aria. Um, I don't know how to describe this. There's black metal. There's prog metal. It's almost like a winter sun. Uh, not winter sun. I'm sorry. It's almost like um, a wilder run type of sound to it as well. Um, this was all over the place, and it was five tracks. It's like 50 minutes long, but I really, really enjoyed this album, and along with Unrequited's uh, All Is Found. Two very, very similar albums in terms of the style, both from one-man bands, both fantastic, um, worth mentioning. And then obviously the Edu, which I mentioned earlier, which just completely blew me away out of nowhere. A tremendous surprise, but I loved it. Yeah, well well said. Um, how about, did you have a favorite cover song in 2021? So I mentioned Runaway uh, by Eldritch or, you know, obviously the Bon Jovi cover. And then the Lord Covers album. I just thought they did a really good job and I thought it would be remiss not to mention that entire album of covers. Uh, but the Bon Jovi Runaway cover was probably my favorite. Yours? Yeah. Yeah, my mine was actually from that Lord album. It was their cover of Real Life, Send Me an Angel. I thought they knocked that's one of my favorite songs of all time and they knocked that one out of the park and uh you know as you mentioned before they also did a, a cover from the new iron maiden album where they they kind of upstaged one of the biggest metal bands of all time so cheers to them on that one but uh those were um uh, just a couple off the the top of my head i really enjoyed the uh the eldritch bon jovi cover as well nice um as we wind it down here we have best ep what do you have for that um, my best EP, there was a handful. You know what? I'm going to give, uh, I'm going to give it to a newcomer, um, Skyblazer with the, the time mm. for deliverance EP right up my alley. This is, um, this is a, a band that's inspired by bands like power quest and rain seed slash majestica. So, I mean, you just know that, um, it, it's right up my alley. And the fact that there's a song about mega man, I mean, it, it, 
Uh, the vocals took me a little bit to kind of get into. I didn't love them at first, but then this this little four track EP just grew on me, and I ended up loving it. So um, I'm looking forward to their the first uh, full length album. This was this was really good stuff. Nice. Um, I remember listening to that as well, and it was the vocals that held me back as well. But I maybe I should revisit it. Um, I had mentioned the Terramaze EP Sorella Minar earlier. I think that that was fantastic. Uh, Insomnium's Argent Moon, also uh, another good release from Insomnium. Um, Mortemia's The Pandemic Pandemonium Sessions, which is kind of like um, symphonic metal with a bunch of different guest vocalists. Really, really outstanding release. And then uh, how can I not mention the Moron Police EP, The Stranger in the High Tide? I, I don't think it was as good as the last album, but I just love this band and I can't wait. Any, I, If they release something, I'm going to grab it just because I like them so much. Yeah, I enjoyed that quite a bit too. That's a band that, I, you know, even as much as I'm not much of a prog guy, it's something about their style of prog is just super catchy. And, and uh, I enjoyed They're going those, places. They're going yeah, places. Yeah, I enjoyed those handful of tunes from that EP. That was... That was good stuff. Um, Mo- most anticipated. Uh, also, oh, honestly, yeah, yeah. I just I thought also um, the, the Dark Horse White Horse EP with uh, Marcella Bovio was was really good too. I um, have that as a 2020 release. Otherwise, that would have been number one, number two, and number three. I think that EP was fantastic, and I would have put it in my top 50 list. I mean, like that's how much I loved it. But I had it as a 2020 release. Yeah, that was good. I also enjoyed the the three. Uh, posthumous um bodum tracks from bodum after midnight were quite good as kind of a a nice way to kind of um yeah send off for um for our our fallen hero but um you know a band that i kind of got into later in my metal fandom um this was kind of a a cool little uh after the fact thing that that they put out and and it was uh enjoyable I, i was surprised still surprised me how much i ended up becoming a fan of Children of Bowron. Uh Yeah, no, no question here. Well, let's let's jump to uh, looking ahead. The 2022 release that you're looking forward to most. Uh, for right now, it's probably neck and neck between. Um, I would say uh, Star. I was going to say Arion Star One and Battle Beast, which um, both albums are going to be released this month. Um, but I am. I'm, I'm excited for both. Totally with you with the star one. Uh, the only thing I would put up there with that is the new porcupine tree, because as much as I didn't like the Steven Wilson solo album, the fact that porcupine tree is coming out with a new album, I'm a re- my, my spidey senses go up and I just get real excited. So it's probably not going to meet my expectations, but I look forward to hearing it. Yeah. I, I was going to I was going to say that's what it's going to be kind of a, a hard, a hard, uh, uh, expectation to, to meet. Um, uh, also worth mentioning, um, I'm, uh, based on the just how good the, the the Sabaton Christmas song was, I'm looking forward to hearing the uh, the entire album. And um, well, you know what? We might as well get into best non-album single because you just hit the nail on the head with Christmas Truce. I I have kind of soured on Sabaton as of late. It's just been kind of a little bit derivative. I know some listeners out there that are big fans of the band are probably thinking I'm crazy, but they hit it out of the park with that song and that video. And it's my non-album single of the year. I thought it was fantastic. And like, you can't watch that video and not get amped. Yeah. I, I, it's, I agree with you. I I was like (laughs) wondering if, uh, if, um, that it would live up to your lofty, uh, 
words, and it did. Um, it was ph- phenomenal. Yeah, I hyped, um, I hyped that quite a lot. I'll be honest with you. I like. Yeah, well, you it, said it was the best Sabaton song that was ever written. Yeah, so. and I believe that. <laughs> it, 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 and listen, to be fair, it's been a long time since I've listened to them. Although I, I shouldn't say that, I've listened to a lot of their stuff. I just haven't enjoyed listening to a lot of their stuff. Um, I enjoyed the hell out of that. So I'm looking forward to uh, whatever they come out with next. Yeah, uh, my single of the year should be. No surprise to anyone. Uh, Power Quest Bound for Glory. Um, yes, yes. Uh, I I know um, Ashley Edison uh, was very proud of this track. He said it, he thought it was one of the best songs that they'd written in a while, and and it harkened back to the to some of the older days. And uh, I can't help but agree. I'm looking forward to hearing what else they got, but it sounds like they're okay with just kind of giving us a slow burn until the the pandemic kind of winds its way out so uh but this was a nice little taste after they hadn't released anything for about four years and uh just good stuff um uh just the the kind of stuff that just always puts a smile on my on my face when i hear it as usual and uh circling back just to the most anticipated release i I also think it should be mentioned that amorphous has another album coming out and the bastions of consistency i'm expecting that to be with you know in both of our top tens if not higher by the end of by the end of the year it's hard not to with their with their it's amazing how they're able to do it release after release but somehow they do it um let's go to mvp i guess like the musician that was like the most uh valuable this this year um for for my money it was uh, uh nora from battle beast um she was all over the place she was on the um she did her uh that duet album with um the singer from Smackbound that um that kind of just missed my top 50 but that was um I thought it was good she had uh she released her first solo album this year she was on the Heart Healer album um I she I, I'm probably missing a, a handful of other things that she just did guest vocals on um she I love anytime I hear her voice it just makes me happy I think she's got such a unique style and and she's so good um so tack on the uh, uh a single or or two from battle beast upcoming album and to, i thought she was just everywhere in 2021 so she was my my personal mvp i give it i'll give it to dean wells i mentioned terror maze earlier i have talked about the ep the single the album listen none of this stuff is my album of the year but when you release an album an ep and a single and i am mentioning all three on a top 50 podcast i think you're doing something right so i'm going to give it to dean wells the the mastermind behind terror maze uh the dude definitely keeps himself busy and uh <laughs> that's that's uh it definitely mildly. the be- the the best thing I can say about Dean is uh, he's 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 definitely kept busy during the uh, the pandemic writing lots of lots of good stuff and and you know hell of a singer too um I know I don't know that he did the vocals on some of the earlier Terame stuff but I know that he has been doing it lately and he's a great vocalist yeah no no question about it um and then we're gonna wrap up with the best guest appearance. Um, I, I did not have this on my list, so I'm going to have to just think about it for a sec. All right. Um, so I'm going to bail you out here. It's not a problem. <laughs> scale, scale the Summit is a prog band that had been an instrumental band for their entire career. But for whatever reason, they took it upon themselves to release an album with a bunch of guest vocalists, basically one on each track. Um, 
on their most recent release, which although the album itself, I don't think it was the best album of the year. I was really curious to see what this band was going to sound like with a bunch of singers and, and different singers at that. And so they released this album called Subjects probably about midway through the year. And I was shocked to find that one of the guest vocalists was the singer from the Reign of Kindo, Joey Seccaroli. And I'm sure I'm butchering his name, but he performed on a song called Jackhammer Rabbit. And I am a huge fan of theirs. I make no bones about it. They're probably my favorite band. But when I got to hear him sing alongside this, like, you know, great progressive metal instrumental band, I couldn't believe it. And although I don't think it's the best song in the world, for me personally, it was just so cool to hear that, that I'm giving it the nod. Uh, that's uh, fair enough. I guess I'll just repeat uh, what I said earlier as far as um, Roy Khan um, doing a guest spot with Seven Spires. I thought that was that was super cool. Um, Definitely. And uh, I, I had added a um, uh, something to my list, which was just... Um, honorable mentions uh just in case there was anything um that wasn't mentioned um and uh off the top of my head i i thought that the primal fear single that they did with taria uh i will be gone was one of the best songs of the year um it just kind of i think got lost in the the shuffle because uh it was on this an ep um i also uh, wanted to mention uh, Wolverine's Darkened Sun EP that uh, you got to speak with um, a couple members of the band and uh, talk about that. Um, that was uh, good stuff. Um, I'm a big fan of, of Love Bites. They released an EP called Glory, Glory to the World, which I, you know, most definitely enjoyed quite a bit. Um, you had mentioned Lord's cover albums, definitely, uh, definitely worth mentioning. And, um, and, and, I'll repeat what I had said on our um, our uh, interview that we did with um, Richard West, but uh, The Collector by League of Lights was uh, easily one of my favorite songs of the year. I thought it was just a fantastic song and uh, I really enjoyed what, what him and his wife put together on their, uh, their album. So yeah, that, that was great. And, and if you like that, definitely spend some time with Black Moth, um, White Butterfly, because it's in the same genre vein if you will both both exceptionally well done so um there you have it that's the best of 2021 um obviously we've started preparing our lists for 2022 i've got two albums on mine already and we'll see if they stay there come the end of the year but uh, i won't be spoiling that at this point uh we will come back next week and do the steel panther episode that we had uh talked about uh, but you know before before you got covid back in 2021 and uh you know thanks for all the support we uh love to hear uh we'd love to hear from everybody keep the requests coming i've got a list uh, 6 miles long at this point but we will get to them all eventually we promise even if it means cramming in two a month uh we will get to them all so um thank you and uh, if you have any other thoughts uh now would be the time uh yeah i just uh i thought it was cool to do our first kind of uh live episode um hope everybody enjoyed it thanks to everybody in the chat that that hung out with us and uh hell of a year i mean we uh even though we missed a week i think we with the interviews we did more than 52 episodes and uh the uh the podcast rolls on and we'll probably try to do more of these uh live interactive kind of things on in the future i thought it was uh kind of cool having having a chat going and and uh, doing it this way so there you have it. Cheers. We'll see you next week with uh, something a little bit different when we go back to Steel Panther. And uh, 
we'll catch everyone uh, soon. Stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, here's to uh, an enjoyable 2022. Absolutely. Take care, buddy.